Kristen, what is this? Kristen, what is it? Just Shazam. Just Shazam it. I don't have I don't have Shazam. Can you can you do it? Just Shazam. I don't I don't I don't have Shazam. Can you can you just do it? No, you, you do it. Save yourself the Shazam. If you like a song, check out what was that? Hi, this is Macy Stewart, and you're listening to KCOU 88.1 Columbia. Welcome into Around the Waves on KCOU 88.1 FM. Happy holiday season, everyone. It's been it's been certainly past Thanksgiving since the last time we were on your first show. I'm Ben Schmidt, Justin Kraft with me here as well. Luca not in today, but I'll tell you what, Justin, we have a packed show today because Mizzou basketball had a big game yesterday. Mm-hmm. But the most important news, I think you and I would agree, we'll start first with this. The bowl game decision yesterday, all that. We're going to get to that in just a moment. First of all, how are you doing on this Monday morning, Justin? I'm doing great. I'm glad to be back, kicking it off again. And kicking it. I mean, more. We're we're wrapping it up. Yeah, here. Wrapping we got it up. We got a couple shows. It up, feels weird. Kicking off we bowl coverage. Two shows left. But man, are we happy to be here? Happy Monday. Gonna be another great week. And uh, we got a lot to talk about on around the waves today. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll we'll get into the Mizzou bowl coverage first of all. Going into yesterday, Selection Sunday, we knew Mizzou was New Year's Six Bowl bound mm-hmm. with the, the 10-2 record they finished with, only losing to LSU and Georgia. Both of them competitive games, um, but there was no chance to the college football playoff bar. So they were New Year's Six bound. They were nine for pretty much the last couple weeks in the college football playoff rankings, and that set up well for them to, to make their way into one of those top six bowl games. But it was all kind of a decision of where. There was a lot of speculation the last couple of days. I saw a lot of Peach Bowl. Um, there was even, I think... As we moved closer towards one o'clock or so yesterday, um, I started to see a pretty decent amount of like Fiesta Bowl versus Oregon, which would have been an interesting one. Mm-hmm. But instead, it's Cotton Bowl versus the Ohio State University, the Ohio State Buckeyes. Um, I'm going to be there. I believe you're going to be there yes, as well. Yes, I'll be so, there as well. Yeah. yeah, we're we're both looking forward to that. Just take me through some of your your instant reactions yesterday when you see that flash across the screen that that's who Mizzou's facing in in the Cotton Bowl and it's it's Ohio State. Yeah, that was something that was surreal. I was at the basketball game and everything in the student section and just to see that um, you know Cotton Bowl graphic the image put up there on the jumbotron and just all the students were just like surreal, shocked. They were so excited. They were just ready for it. And wow, I am just so excited to just be able to get to go and be a part of it. It is just going to be an atmosphere like no other, and it is going to be a lot of fun and something that, you know, myself and you will remember, you know, years down the road <laughs> when we're, you know, 70, 80s years old and we're both, you know, sitting wherever we are and, you know, talking to each other and be like, man, you remember the days when Mizzou was in the Cotton Bowl against the Ohio State our senior years. So. Yeah, I mean, when, when you consider this is Mizzou's first New Year's Six Bowl yeah, appearance, yeah. this is not like a mm-hmm. Ohio State type of thing where there are playoffs in New Year's Six Bowl bound every single year. So this is this is going to be a fun experience. Um, I just think the the initial kind of reaction was, I, I think Mizzou fans are going to show out. Oh, Ohio yeah, State sure. may not be that way just because they're 
they're not happy to be there. I mean, if we're being honest, like this is this is me. This is a much bigger deal to Mizzou than it is to Ohio State, and rightfully so. That Mizzou yeah. should absolutely make it a big deal. It is a giant game um, if they win. But I, I think something that I thought right away, and then I saw a lot of this on social media as well, is like for Mizzou, you go into this game with like, what do you have to lose? You, mm-hmm. you have to be feeling good or pretty good about yourself. Uh, last time I looked, the line when it opened yesterday was Ohio State by six and a half. So. Uh, that line could move depending on who potentially opts out for Ohio State, Marvin Harrison Jr. being the number one person that we'll be looking to watch to see if he plays in that game. I think he will, um, but if we're being honest with ourselves, he doesn't have a lot of reason to. Um, so that could change things, but for Mizzou, it's like you win the game and it's, wow, we just, Mizzou just capped off this great season. Mm-hmm. They've got a five-star coming in. I know the recruiting class as a whole isn't very good, but they've got some more talent on the way. It's like this Missouri team may, may have something here. Brady's going to be back. Luther's going to be back. If you lose, it's like, okay, they lost to Ohio State. Most people probably are going to pick them to win that game anyway. I would be willing to bet when you look at the predictions across the screen um, on that December 28th or 29th, it's going to be mostly Ohio State Buckeyes, um, and they think they beat Mizzou. But um, I, I think the opportunity is right there for Missouri. I don't feel like they're going to be overmatched in any way, and I, I really like their chances when you look at Ohio State's inability to stop the run. I mean, you look at the last couple years, in their biggest games, Ohio State has not been able to slow down Donovan Edwards and Blake Corum. Mm -hmm. What does Mizzou have? It's a dominant running game with one of the best running backs in the country and Cody Schrader. So that plays to Missouri's strengths if you can get him going and then you open up the play action to where you get Luther and Theo in one-on-one coverage. That's huge because I think Brady Cook's a a good quarterback, but if... If one, Ohio State can pin the ears back, or two, they can drop into coverage because they don't feel a third of the run, that's a different story. So I really, I feel good about this matchup. I feel good about the spot because I feel, I think there's quite a few fans in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, um, alumni-wise from Missouri, and it is right there for the taking. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's right there for the taking. And I think, like you said, once we get closer to you know predictions and everything, that 28th, 29th, Zoo will probably be an underdog going into the game on the 29th. But I really think they have everything lined up for success to beat this Ohio State team, especially with, um, I don't know if you saw this morning, you know, Kyle McCord, you know, entering the transfer portal. Is he actually? not going to play. Yeah, I did see oh, that this that morning. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah, yeah I got yeah. I, that, Okay, that's, that's so big that's time. big. Uh-huh. I'm glad especially you brought that up. he's not even going to play. And we, we know, you know, Mar- Marvin Harrison has been talked about in everything as possibly playing or possibly not, but it looks like more like he's not going to play just because of implications with him being a top five pick, you know, in the NFL draft coming up in April. But we will see. I think it's for the taking defensively. Mizzou's just got to find a way to just after Ohio State, whoever plays that backup quarterback or if Kyle McCord does decide to play, we'll see. But I don't think he's going to with him, you know, saying that he's going to be entering the transfer portal. Uh, Thanks to my, uh, Good old sister, Allison. She uh, keeps up with all that as well, you know, since she's a cheerleader. And she told me about that this morning. Yeah. But I, I really think if I'm the Ohio State, you know, they got to find a way defensively, like you said. They have to key on Cody Schrader. They have to stop the freight train, the best running back in the SEC and one of the best, you know, running backs in the country. They have to find a way to make Mizzou's offense one-dimensional and make Brady Cook – beat them with his arm and his legs. Cody Schrader cannot be the one who beats Ohio State if they want to have a shot. But I really think this bowl game is going to be something to watch. It's going to be surreal. I think it's going to be one of the best bowl games out of the New Year's Six Bowls. That is a chance because I think we all... Bonix, if he doesn't play, that changes things maybe. But I think we all mm-hmm. kind of feel like Oregon could pretty easily handle yeah. Liberty. Um, I don't remember off the top. And then it's Georgia versus um, Florida State. And we all also mm-hmm. think Georgia's going to roll Florida State. And then hopefully we're all justified in thinking Florida State should have been a playoff team. Um, but that's big. I had, I really I know that happened three hours ago. I had not been checking Twitter a whole lot before we came over here. I mean that I know Kyle McCord is nothing special. I mean he was average to below average for most of the year. But then whoever the backup is, and I don't know if somebody like does not have any playing experience because McCord played all year. So you're going to throw him in to a, against an mm-hmm. SEC defense in his first game. So that's that that changes things a ton because. Even if Marvin Harrison Jr. doesn't play, like, if you still have most of the Ohio State team, you have McCord, who's been there all year, like, they'd still probably be the, the team that people would, would watch for. But then you, you don't have McCord, and 
Man, that's interesting. I, now now I would actually kind of change things. If there's no McCord, I would guess that Marvin doesn't play either. Yeah, that, I'd be very shocked yeah, if so, he was to play and McCord wasn't. Yeah, yeah, that's big. I saw. I just was reading Dylan Gabriel transferring too, so that's mm-hmm. interesting as well to see what um, Oklahoma does. But that's, that's big time. So, um, yeah, I think we both we both feel good about Mizzou's chances. We'll do some predictions officially next week on, on the last show. But, yeah, I mean, selfishly, I was hoping for Cotton Bowl because parents live there, got a free place. Yeah. I think you were too because you're in Houston. Uh, yeah, Although maybe Houston, maybe you were hoping Peach as well. Yeah. I, um, but yeah, I think we're both very happy with how that turned very out. Very excited. And exactly like you said, big alumni base in Dallas. And especially, you know, it's just a drive down straight south to Dallas from Columbia. So it's that eight hour drive. So and and you got Bucky's in Springfield too, and you got a couple just right outside of Dallas. So what a road trip that's gonna be for Mizzou fans and especially just the game and everything too. I, I went to that Bucky's for the first time last oh, week. Yeah. By the way, I was I was dragged into it. I mean, <laughs> I, I I I went. It was cool. Mm-hmm. Like it was just yeah. a big gas station. Yeah. But we we don't it we is. don't need to get into that. Um, <laughs> we'll do this before we move on with college football because we've got some more time. Just take me through kind of what you thought. Um, there was a huge discussion on Saturday. I think you and I we were together. Even talked about this a little on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And what should the committee do with the four teams? We we're pretty much Washington, Michigan, rock solid. Um, I personally felt that with how dominant Texas would, that they would be in. They had the edge over Alabama. So then at that point, it was just Alabama or Florida State. I think the committee is completely justified in putting Alabama in. I get the ups, the people that are upset about Florida State, and I feel bad for Jordan Travis because he probably feels a lot of blame for this. Mm-hmm. But I think it was justified. I think the committee made the right decision. Um, my only thing I'll say is Georgia is a, one of the four best teams, but I don't think there was any way you could – justify putting them in um i think they they did it right i'm a fan of the four your thoughts on the decision to put the the college football playoffs together no when i was watching it on selection sunday and when the college football playoff committee was making their decisions on who was going to be the top four i totally you know knew right away 100 percent. number one at was michigan number two washington those two already in three texas they submitted their you know college football playoff you know implications and getting in with the win against Oklahoma State in the Big 12 championship game. And then it just came down to that fourth spot. Everyone was eyes on, you know, didn't didn't turn away, didn't turn the TV off, made sure to be sitting down on their couch or on whatever, you know, device they were on to make sure they saw who was going to be that fourth, you know, overall seed and get in. And I really think the committee did a good job giving it to Alabama because just – with everything that has gone on with Florida State, they had a great year. They finished unbeaten, 13-0, and won the ACC. But like you said, it's just it, it just really hurt Florida State when Jordan Travis went down. He got hurt. And then this Florida State team just kind of fell apart, but they still found a way to win games, but they just didn't look as dominant. And the committee was like, without Jordan Travis, and then they didn't even have the backup. They were relying on the third-string quarterback. Going in, you know, if they were to have been selected to be that fourth overall seed and then play Michigan, oh, that would have just it been tough. The committee like was just thinking, well. yeah, as a whole, that would have just been a blowout, something college football fans wouldn't have been wanting to tune into and watch. And I know the Florida State athletic director is pretty salty. I totally understand where Florida State's coming from. I would have been pretty disappointed too with what happened, but. I think there's just, you know, a thought in the back of the mind. They kind of understand with, you know, um, what the eye test is all about, what the committee was looking at when it came from strength of schedule and then it came from top 25 wins. And it, and then, um, yeah, Alabama just checked all those boxes and Florida State only had three wins against the top 25 when Alabama had four. And then their strength of schedule was just, you know, 10 times better than Florida State's was. I think Bama's was like in the top 10 and Florida State's was just outside the top 30. So, I and I know even Jordan Travis said. I, I did feel bad for him yeah, because he, yeah. he probably feels a lot of the uh, And he did say, he goes, man, I really wish, you know, he, he was just saying this scenario of things. If I would have broke my leg early in the season, then – and Florida State still found a way with their backup or third-string quarterback to win out that the committee would have gave them more respect. And I totally agree with what he was saying. You know, he threw the committee on the flames. But he's totally right about that. We would have looked at the eye test and been like, man, Florida State has been able to do this with their second or third-string backup quarterback. But at the same time, 
Hopefully Jordan, you know, Travis is recovering A-OK and gets back to 100% um, eventually down the road. And you never know, maybe he'll come back uh, next year and play for Florida State, but we'll, we'll see. But it just was the right decision by the committee in my eyes to put in Alabama at the four and play Michigan. Yeah, I mean, that'll be a fun playoff. I'll, oh, I'll talk sure. a little bit more. Um, go back to Mizzou, Ohio State real quick because the whole – the whole McCordy was you're the first person to tell me about changes things and that's being reflected because it's now down to Ohio State by just two and a half mm-hmm. so it's already a four point swing in yep. the last what 16 yeah I, knew I guess right Rogan when, almost 24 hours right when they announced that Kyle McCord was entering the transfer portal yeah. and he was going to play I knew that line would yeah. be a lot closer in favor I have, I have no idea who McCord's backup even is I know that was a competition in camp um and I I get it for McCord because they've got a five-star coming. He's a left-handed quarterback. His name mm-hmm. is um, Art something. Um, yeah, I, know I don't remember. Talking talking uh, but I thought McCord was at least going to stay around and maybe compete for that job, mm-hmm. and then you I transfer. Did too. Yeah, um, that's interesting. That's very interesting. Yeah. Um, let's do this real quick because I don't know if we're going to discuss the playoffs next week. I think we've got some really fun matchups in the first round. For I'll, sure. I'll go first. We got Texas Washington. And it's because I've been I keep betting against Washington for the last like three weeks. I'm like, this is the week they lose. Yeah. This is the week, but it's like they just I, found a way. Yeah. yeah. Um. I'll I'll say this first. Actually, I am incredibly confident that Bama beats Michigan. I don't know why. I just I am too. I'm not the biggest Michigan believer. Mm-hmm. I don't think their style of play holds up in the playoffs. Um. I know it's going to be a Big Ten championship, but I don't think an offense that hasn't looked very good is going to go blow for blow with Alabama if they're clicking. Um, I think Alabama wins that one as the four seed justifies kind of their decision to be put them in. Um, and then back to the Texas-Washington Texas um, semifinal game, which will also be a lot of fun. Both semifinal games are going to be a lot of fun. I, I'm going to take Texas now. I think we get a Bama-Texas college football national championship, which the ratings would be absolutely insane. Oh, that'd be something. Um and then who knows who wins from there. But I, I the Washington Texas, I think, will be really, really close. Bama-Michigan as well. I, I feel strongly about Bama. But I think those two teams win. Your thoughts on those two matches? Yeah, I totally agree with uh, Texas and Michigan being in the national championship game. I have been wanting to pick Michigan to beat Alabama, but I just think the way Alabama's playing, and then they just beat uh, Georgia in the SEC championship game on Saturday. So I was just very impressed the way defensively Alabama has played ever since they lost to Texas. And they are to beat Michigan in the semifinals and then go on to play Texas in the national championship if Texas is able to beat Washington. Because, like you said, both of these semifinals are going to be marquee matchups, and there is going to be all kinds of eyes on the TV screens. Everybody's going to be watching it. And um, I, I would love to see Texas win and then play Bama because I know Texas fans are saying right now, you know, if we beat Washington, then they find a way to beat whoever, Michigan, Alabama, in that national championship game. You know there's going to be a lot of things that they're going to be saying like, hey, we're back. Like Texas yep. is, you know, primetime Texas again. Like we're one of the best programs in college football. And I that matchup again to see Sarkeesian go up against you know, Nick Saban, because, you know, Sarkeesian got the last laugh, or, well, the, the first laugh of, you know, the early season matchup match. in Tuscaloosa and was finally able to beat Nick Saban. And I know Nick Saban's wanting to get the last laugh. <laughs> He's not going to want Sarkeesian to beat him again for a second, you know, time this season because Sarkeesian already did it to him on his home, home turf in Tuscaloosa. But, yeah, that that will be something. But I, I really think both of these games will be going to be close. I think Alabama honestly, if we had to pick one like matchup to be like a blowout, you know, uh scenario when it comes to like the game result, I could see Alabama probably walking away with it if Michigan starts to turn over the football with McCarthy and he, you know, just isn't able to do anything in the passing game of things. But I think the Texas Washington will go back and forth. Yeah, I mean, I will say uh, I'm excited cuz there's going to be very good for the most part, there's good quarterback play yes. in this college football playoffs, oh, yeah. just because um, it feels like a lot of years where the like whoever the four seed is doesn't have a great quarterback. I know you have to be have to be good enough to get yourself into the playoffs, but mm-hmm. it's like we can be honest. Like some of those Notre Dame, one of the Notre Dame team that's not getting like Ian yeah. Book's not a good quarterback, mm-hmm. or like 
the Jake Browning year, he wasn't very good, although he was good that year with Washington. But, like, for the most part, I mean, at least three of the guys we feel are, M- are NFL-bound oh, at some sure, point. Yeah. And Milrow has been playing probably his best ball over the last couple of weeks. There's good quarterback yeah. play. Um, Washington has the advantage because Penix is the best quarterback out of the four. So mm-hmm. that's going to give them an advantage in, in most matchups. Though uh, Ewers, McCarthy, and Miller are all good quarterbacks, but I think it's fair to put Penix at the top of those four. So yeah. um, you give Washington the edge there. So I really think... Um, you could tell me any of these four teams win it, and I wouldn't be shocked. It's not like in previous years where, like, you tell me last year the TCU wins the whole thing, and I'm like, what? How did? There's no way they beat Michigan yeah. and then Georgia, mm-hmm. um, or like the, the all the years where Cincinnati, Notre Dame, um, Washington were the four seed, and it's like there's no way they win. But like, I legitimately, um, I already made made it clear how I feel about Alabama, and then um, Washington, Texas, Michigan could all win two games, and I'm not shocked. So I, mm-hmm. I feel really good about this. Um, and then last thing I'll say is. Like with the t- committee's decision to do this and input Alabama and Texas and leave Florida State out, like it's n- nice for them. You don't totally have to deal with the repercussions because, like, we're going to a 12 team bracket next year. Like, you don't have to deal with the um, regular season doesn't matter comments yep. or whatever because next year Florida State would be in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And Mizzou would be in the playoffs and we'd be watching them go face Oregon <laughs> in the first round. And how crazy would that be? Yeah, to that see would the be Tigers yeah. head all the way to Eugene. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, a lot of fun stuff. Glad yeah. we get to do this show directly after Selection Sunday and kind of break some stuff down. But we'll switch to another Mizzou thing. It's not. We haven't done a ton of shows this semester. We've had multiple Mizzou sports to talk about because it's mostly just been football, and that's it. But Tigers basketball has really kicked into full mm-hmm. swing. And I'll tell you what, Missouri right now with a, a roster that we, we kind of agree overall is not as talented as last year. I think anyone yep. who watches agrees they don't have that one guy that can take over a game for the most part like Kobe Brown could. But Mizzou now sits at 7-2. and two. I think we look at this team a whole lot differently if they just didn't lose that one game at home to Jackson State. Yeah, they sit at 8-1 and one right now uh, with the one loss being to Memphis. Like, okay, they had a bad game against a, a, a good enough Memphis team, but I think the Jackson State thing really hurts in people's mind. But for the most part, Missouri now, back-to-back wins on the road at Pitt, and then you beat Wichita State who had one loss coming in yesterday, 82-72. Um, Sean East has clearly stepped up and became the main guy for Missouri, which has been really cool to see. He's been great um, as one of the two guards. And I, I, I think if you don't get the expectations super high for this team and you kind of just let them gel, Aiden Shaw starting to figure things out, it's Tamar Bates. Um, I don't know. I think they're starting to move things in the right direction. Your thoughts on the current Missouri basketball kind of things with 7-2, and two, four straight wins? Yeah, I've been pretty impressed the way they played the last couple of games, and especially the win yesterday against Wichita State. A pretty good opponent. They're a decent team, and to beat them by 10, and really like you brought up about Sean East, he definitely on this Missouri roster is and is and has been the most improved player so far this season. On this roster, and he is really taking that role as you know Missouri's dominant number one scorer when it comes to the you know scoring side of things and really just facilitating running the offense. And then um, Nick Arner being a good comp- complimentary guard, really helping out Sean East really get the Missouri offense going. And I just think this team, if they can keep finding a way to just win games and just show this you know committee for college basketball, that they are a pretty good team and that they can compete and then find a way to beat some of these top teams in the SEC. You know, we could be talking about, you know, late December, early January possibly as, you know, Mizzou falling into, you know, one of those lower-end seeds, you know, making the NCAA tournament once we get around, you know, early January and then mid-February conversations start, you know, rolling in and, Everyone starts talking about it, but I just think they got to take it one game at a time. Gro played really well yesterday. He had 13. Vanover, it's good to see him out there on the floor. Got 17 minutes. I think from him, the Tigers are really going to need him to find a way to be more of a guy inside. Like mm-hmm. I like how he can spread it out. We can go five wide. He can shoot from the perimeter, hit some threes. But I really feel like we need someone who can bang around, get some rebounds. <laughs> For a guy that's 7'5", and it's pretty cool, he wears 75 as his jersey as well. But it's like two rebounds, 7'5", and doesn't really correlate for success. They really need him to you know, be on the boards and be that type of monster that they need. But I've been very impressed with Sean East. Uh, Nick Honor had 15 yesterday as well. But Sean East, the way he put up 22 points, 9 assists, 4 rebounds in 36 minutes, I think he's really got to be the piece that just keeps on being the, you know, 
um, number one guy and the, our leading scorer on, on, on Missouri's offense. And so if they can keep finding a way for him to be consistent, keep playing well, I think this Tigers team is going to be not one of the top teams in the SEC, but they'll find a way to, you know, make some noise, win some good quality. I think you know, we feel better about them than we yeah, did two games. weeks ago. Oh, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. And especially defensively. I think how they're going to win games, especially against top teams, is it's going to have to start with their defense. Their defense is going to have to dictate how their offense, you know, plays and then go from there. I mean, a big measuring stick game coming up on Saturday in Lawrence, Kansas at a certain oh, Allen, yes. Allen Fieldhouse. <laughs> so that, that will certainly kind of give us an idea of whether or not they've kind of turned the corner. For sure. Um, and I'm not, I don't think anyone expects them, obviously, to win that game. But just how, how do you show up in the, the bright lights of the season? I think yep. – um, yeah, it'll it'll be very interesting. I mean, for like East and Noah Carter and and Nick Honor, they always got the experience of that big game. I know it was at Mizzou Arena, but at least got the experience. Um, for some of the other guys on this team, like Grill um, and Grill's played some in some big games at Iowa State, but for like um, I don't know a- Anthony Robinson, um, who who's kind of been coming off the bench and has played a big role as, as a freshman guard. Some of those guys mm-hmm. who don't have the experience, at least. Um, for the most part, four out of the five starting five got that experience last year. So that'll be interesting to see how they respond. I, I think for Missouri, I mean, like, transition year, you've got the great recruiting class coming next year. If yep. you can start to, like, get some of these these players are going to be back next year, and obviously you're not going to tell Noah Carter and, and Sean East, like, we want to develop the young guys over you. But if just, like, on top of those veterans playing – you can also have Aiden Shaw take a step forward and stuff like that um, to set up to kind of bring it all together next year um, and really go for things. I, I, th- I think that could be um, something to watch for. So, yeah, I mean, you're, Missouri is through the the easier part of the schedule, so they're really going to have to turn things on now. It's not easy to go at Kansas and then um, Seat Hall. They're going to place a, a number 24-ranked Illinois um, in St. Louis, which you will be there for, and then mm-hmm. you get into the SEC schedule after that. So um, we're really going to start to learn. 16.8 a game out of Shawnee still. I mean, that's that's good stuff. He's I, th- I think that's a guy that all, all Mizzou fans like. There, there There's some, some players that every year it's like, Half half the students love and half students don't love. I, I think everyone loves Sean East. I mean, who who doesn't love Sean East? So, um, and then Noah Carter this year having six point two a game on the board. So, yep. Um, who knows? I, I think it's kind of just fun to see where this team goes, where this team develops. Like I said earlier, it's not like last year where you could ask Kobe to kind of bail you out of some things um, if if you were kind of going in a dry spell, or even the three and D that Des Moines brought. Um, but for the most part, they've been able to rely on a couple key veterans, and it's worked the last couple of games. Like I said, if you if you just beat Jackson State 72-71 and you sit there and it's like, okay, this Missouri team's 8-1 and one and their only loss was to um, a Memphis squad that's 5-2, and two and I don't think you would feel feel as as crazy about things, especially a Memphis squad that beat Arkansas, a top 25 team, and stuff like that. So, yeah, it'll be very, very interesting. We're going to step aside, though, for just a quick moment. We've talked about a ton of Mizzou stuff, but when we're back, we've got all of NFL Week 13 action from yesterday and a Monday Night Football game to be played tonight. Back in just a moment on the Round the Waves on KCU 88.1 FM. I know marijuana is harmful. I know it can't improve my game. My friends and I have faced many battles, and we have always dueled without drugs. I wouldn't be the world's best duelist if I smoked marijuana. It would disappoint my friends and lower my concentration. And losing control with drugs is one duel I don't want to have. I must stay healthy and keep my friends close if I want to defeat my opponent's monsters. I will never dishonor myself or my friends by using drugs. That's playing a game I can't win. Honor. My anti-drug.
Welcome back to Around the Waves on KCOU 88.1 FM. Back here in Columbia, Missouri. I'm Ben Schmidt, Justin Kraft with me as well. We'll have Luca back with us next week for one final show here yes. on the KCU Airwaves. But we've got some NFL stuff to talk about here on today's shows. We just get past the 1230 mark here on this Monday morning, our, our last week of classes, and then we mm-hmm. got finals week. But let's get back into the sports and we are talking about Justin, probably not not your favorite topic, not my favorite topic is NFC North fans, but we are talking about the Green Bay Packers who have really turned things on these last couple weeks, especially in front of national audiences on Thanksgiving in Detroit. And then last night on Sunday Night Football at home against Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. And I think the biggest thing is people are starting to kind of think, oh, did the Packers find themselves another guy at quarterback? Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen quite a few mm-hmm. Bears fans on social media who are... <laughs> Who are not too happy mm-hmm. that that might be true. I think as a Vikings fan, although Rodgers had some success, it was certainly not to the same degree that he had against the Bears. So it doesn't haunt me as much as I think it haunts Chicago Bears fans. But I'll I'll stay away from that for a minute. But you look at this Green Bay Packers squad. They they get another win against um, Kansas City last night, twenty-seven to nineteen. Love plays. Um, Love, I think, for the most part, you would say, had a really nice game, 267 and three touchdowns. I think he gets a little cute with his mechanics sometimes and falls too in love with that back foot sidearm throw that gets him in trouble. But for the most part, he played well. And now you look at Green Bay. They've won four out of five, including three straight against the Chargers, Lions, and Chiefs. The Lions and Chiefs ones obviously being really nice wins in primetime spots. So now for Green Bay, they face absolute cake the rest of the way. They're going to go at New York, Tampa Bay, at Carolina, at Minnesota, and against Chicago. That that feels like a 4 and one schedule, maybe yep. even 5-1. and one. I think the hardest game on that schedule is in Minnesota, which who knows how that could change depending on how Josh Dobbs even plays. I think if it's good Josh Dobbs, it's not an easy game for Green Bay. If it's Josh Dobbs we saw last Monday night, Green Bay could easily go 5-0 and oh down the stretch. So you look at this and you look at how Green Bay started to turn things around. They've got a good young receiving core. They've got the backs when healthy. Are the Green Bay Packers an actual playoff threat? I hate to talk about this, but being a Bears fan, you just have to live with it and you have to expect it. And like you said, they have found their quarterback and Jordan Love has been playing really well and impressively, you know, the Packers have found a way to roll off three straight wins. Yeah. The Chargers on the nineteenth and then found a way to beat the Lions on Thanksgiving and then they just did it last night against the Chiefs. And now sitting at six and six, I really think this Packers team is gonna be a tough out. They've really uh, cemented their chances of, I'd say, at least 70% of getting into the playoffs, especially with how easy of a schedule they have these last five games of the season. And I would be very shocked if they were to lose two of these final four, uh, final five games. So we will see. But Jordan Love has just found a way to just look really good especially just taking his time in the pocket, finding his wide receivers down the field. Like you said, he does at times, you know, kind of fall back on his heels and he doesn't throw the football to, you know, precise to his wide receivers and kind of floats the ball in there. But just some of those throws yesterday to Christian uh, Watkins yesterday, that was one heck of a pass he threw to him in the back of the end zone. And then he was able to come down with both feet in and, you know, touchdown for Green Bay. What a throw that was. And then um, Romeo Dobbs, it looked like yeah. when he threw that pass, there were chief defenders there. It looked like it was going to get picked off, but Just somehow Dobbs is able to yep. come down with it. Just impressive how he's able to throw that off his back foot and still able to make the, you know, completion to Dobbs. And then Dobbs did the rest with going up and making the catch. But this Green Bay team right now, especially the guy that they picked up last night, can't think of his – uh, name off the top of my, you know, head right now. Position, position. Yeah, running back. They just pulled him up. He was on the oh, practice squad, yeah, um, helping with AJ yes, Dillon. He played correct. really well, especially. Um, you know, they need a complimentary guy that can help out AJ Dillon with Aaron Jones still yeah. out, and it's just been impressive how they've been able to do that with AJ Dillon. And then this guy that they just pulled up from the practice squad. For a Bears fan, you're like, oh my gosh, why don't we have guys like that that can just come in and make an impact and mm-hmm. really pull you know, an offense together? And uh, 
yeah, that's just Bears fans for you. That's, you know, myself as well. We just can't figure it out when it comes to the offense because we have Luke Getze, but that's a whole other story. But it's just been impressive how Green Bay has just figured it out offensively. And their defense as well. They've been a pretty good defense. I would say, you know, uh, top end, you know, top 10 defense. Or you could say low end, like top 15. But they've been playing really well. And they've been getting a lot of guys back uh, coming off, you know, IR. And, you know, having Jair Alexander in the secondary as well coming back, and he has played really well, really helping uh, solidify that secondary. But it has been very impressive by Green Bay. They've gotten themselves back into, you know, the playoff hunt, the conversation. Mm -hmm. And I know you, Ben, being a Minnesota Vikings fan, are not too happy about how good the Packers are playing because right now your team, you know, the Vikings and Green Bay, are both fighting for that last spot right now, both tied 6-6. and Yeah, uh, here's here's a couple things I'll say about about Green Bay. One – if you're a Packers fan, I like. I think this would be a lot of fun, a, a very fun team to root for. I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. Out outside of the fact that you probably live in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and Lambeau Field <laughs> yeah. stinks and it's run down and yeah. it's bleachers and whatever, and it'll never be U.S. Bank Stadium. Outside of those things going in your favor, I think if you're a, a Packers fan, this is a lot of fun because like you have been able to in real time see the youngest team in the NFL come together and start to believe, which I think has got to be a fun feeling to watch a team develop. Like. Um, and if Jordan Lum conti- continues this track, I mean, to see where he was from back up to the start of the year when he was fined and now kind of turning things on, I mean, that's got to be a good feeling and a fun thing to watch. So I, I think that is probably pretty fun to experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it's just six and six, not like they're sitting here at 10 and four um, or 10 and two and whatever. Um, but I think considering where they were to now be, now be at this spot, that's got to be a pretty fun feeling, and you know you have a great coach in Matt Lafleur, and the defense figuring out, and you've got Aaron Jones hopefully coming back at some point. So that's that's fun to look at. But here I'm going to say this: what on this December fourth, I am declaring the Green Bay Packers playoff bound. This is a team that's going to make the playoffs, and I feel I feel relatively confident um, that that's going to happen. I'm I, I it's going to come down to the last two spots: the six and seven seed in the NFC. Cowboys have locked up the five seed. And I'm I'm declaring the Packers get one of those two spots. Um, I know there's five weeks left, but I I just look at that schedule. And I agree. I, I, and then you look at the competition too. So it's it's four to five teams fighting for two spots. Mm-hmm. The Rams and Seahawks are are, are there. Yeah. Um, right, right now it's the Rams or the seven seed, but both of them do not have favorable schedules. I know the Seahawks off the top of my head are going to go San Francisco yes. this week mm-hmm. in San Francisco, and then they get Dallas the week after. So Seattle could easily be. Um, or no, they don't get they get Philly the week after. I'm sorry, they just play Dallas. So Phil, Seattle in a couple weeks could easily be sitting at six and eight, mm-hmm. um, and that could be absolutely kill for them. The Rams and, yeah. too. And they were they were six and three at one time, and now they've lost three straight. So. It, yeah, I, I think you and I both. Seattle's a good team. I just don't see unless they shock someone in these next couple games. Mm-hmm. Um, so that knocks them out for me. The Rams as well. The Rams I know got to play the 49ers. I think there's another team on their schedule too that is not all that favorable. And with the Rams, like I think the Rams are a fun team, and I love Sean McVay and Stafford's played well. Um, they had a nice win yesterday. So yeah, the other one for the Rams is the Rams got to go play at the Ravens in Baltimore. Yeah, that's. So if you take care of business against the Commanders, Saints, and Giants, which they probably could, not an easy ass, but they probably could, that finishes you, what, at 9-8? and 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 9-8 may not be enough for the Rams if the Packers go 4-1 and down this stretch. Mm -hmm. And the Packers have the head-to-head advantage. So even if the Packers win just two and go 9-8, and or win just three and go 9-8, and the Packers would get in over them. So that knocks out them for me. And then it's, if you knock those two out, there's still two spots the Vikings, I think, have a decent chance. Although as bad as Josh Dobbs looking, as a little bit of confidence I have in Josh Dobbs. Vikings still have a great defense, and Justin Jefferson's coming back. And you look at the Vikings' schedule, they're going to play Vegas with Aiden O'Connell. Then they're going to play the Bengals with Jake Browning. Mm-hmm. And then they have the Lions twice, which I don't feel great about those. But they're going to play the Packers in Minnesota on Sunday Night Football. And the last time they played, I know it was before Jordan Love kind of figured things out. The Vikings pretty much manhandled that game. It was the game Kirk got hurt, and they led the entire way. I think it was 24-10, to 10, the final score. Vikings, I, I think, have a very good shot to at least go 3-2 and two in that stretch. And the Vikings, they're 9-8. and eight. Um, They already beat the Packers once, so at the very least, all they can do is split with the Packers. Um, and outside of that, I mean, I don't know who, I don't have to talk about who else in the NFC is even a threat for that last wild card spot. Um, outside of those four teams that I just mentioned, there's two spots for those four teams. Maybe the Saints start to figure things out. Like Tampa's um, right there too. But, yeah, yeah, but I don't, I don't think any of us believe in them. But even mm-hmm. with the Saints, the Saints already lost to the Packers and they lost to the Vikings. 
and the Rams are going to play them. So, like, the Saints could end up holding tiebreakers with nobody. Mm -hmm. um, so I feel – I think the two teams that make it will be Minnesota and Green Bay, but I feel the most strongly about Green Bay um, just because of Minnesota's quarterback situation. If Minnesota had Kirk, uh, they'd be locked. And Minnesota would probably be, like, 8-4 and four right now because I think maybe not Denver, but I think you can admit that if Kirk the Cousins – if Kirk Cousins yeah. plays last Monday, mm -hmm. I think the Vikings beat the Bears. Yeah. I think that's fair to no, say I, I with totally how bad Josh Allen. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. but back to the Packers. I think I, I'm I'm fairly confident at this point that they're they're a playoff bound team unless they they lose a game that they absolutely should not lose. Um, tell you what though, that Vikings Packers game second to last week of the season with Ooh. a potential playoff spot on the line. That's fun. That mm -hmm. could be a fun game. Big implications. Yep. So yeah, Green Bay. Of course, they've done it again. They've they've figured it out again and. They're going to make the playoffs. But that's that, that's enough Green Bay talk. We'll keep it here in the NFC, though. You were at the Mizzou basketball game, so I don't know how much you see of it, but the 49ers just manhandled the Eagles yesterday. Yes. Su Sunday afternoon, 325, mm -hmm. big game on Fox. You know the 49ers oh, wanted that one badly after sure. how the NFC Championship yep. game went with Brock Purdy injury. And it didn't start off, I, I think, San Francisco at the very least on their first drive, and I believe the second one as well went three and out. Philly scored two field goals. And then it was all San Francisco from there. Dominating win. San Francisco at full health feels like a Super Bowl team. Philly still got the better record in the one seed. But in your mind, does a win yesterday make San Francisco the team to beat in the NFC? I think so. Especially the way that defense played and they really contained uh, A.J. Brown. Devontae Smith did have a touchdown. But they found a way to get to Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts looked really rattled throughout the whole entire game. And he was trying to scramble around try to use his legs, try to look for guys down the field, and just couldn't find a way to, to do anything in the running game scheme in scheme of things or in the passing game. And they just had Jalen Hurts on the ropes. He looked rattled. And the 49ers, they showed that they are right now the number one, the best team in the NFC, and I think right now the best team in the NFL, especially yeah. the way that defense has been playing. And then just complemented by that offense, that Kyle Shanahan scheming, Man, whew. it's just like a perfect picture of the Mona Lisa. Like, it's just an artwork that's like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. This is beautiful. This is something that, you know, other teams just want to replica replicate and want to do, but they just can't because mm -hmm. the Niners are just so good at what they do and, and scheming everything-wise when it comes to the offensive side of things. And Brock Purdy just looks so purdy. The way he played yesterday, four touchdowns, 314 yards. Debo Samuel had three uh, touchdowns. And Christian McCaffrey had the one. But, yeah, it was just impressive to just watch how they just use their playmakers. McCaffrey just doing what McCaffrey does, getting a touchdown on the board. Debo, two uh, receiving touchdowns, the one uh, rushing touchdown. And, I was at the game, at the Mizzou basketball game, and, you know, I had Brock Purdy on one of my fantasy teams. And I was a little disappointed at first because I saw they got down early 6-0 to, to the Eagles, and it looked like it was fly, Eagles, fly, you know, and it looked like the Eagles were going to actually happened. do something against the Niners. But they, they didn't. And at first I was like, what is Brock Purdy in this offense doing? McCaffrey has no yards. No yards. Brock Purdy had no yards in the first quarter. And it, it was 6-0 to zero after one, and I'm like, Kyle Shannon in offense. What is, is they, this? They, you know what the Eagles no curse yards. Them again? Yeah, honestly, yeah. I was like, what is this? No yards of anything in the in the first half and not our first quarter and not even any points. And then they score forty two unanswered points. You know, uh, yeah, in three straight quarters after that, and they win the game forty two to what was it forty two to nineteen yep. or forty two nineteen? Yeah, yeah. Yep. So they they blew them out. It's like. They were like, hey, Eagles, we're going to let you have the moral, you know, first quarter victory, and you can get up 6-0 on us, and then we'll score 42 unanswered, win the game 42-19. Yeah, that was, I mean, at one point in the first quarter, I think the 49ers had negative six yards, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, that was something. Brock Purdy, MVP candidate Brock Purdy, not, not my MVP, but he's going to be an MVP candidate Brock Purdy. He should be at least, especially the yeah. way he's been playing the last four games. It, He's really I was just gonna, I was just gonna get that. So the last four, following the Cincinnati loss where they lost three in a row, and mm -hmm. it was like the sky is falling, yeah. it's the slipper falling off the foot of Brock Purdy, his the clock struck midnight. The four games against Jacksonville, Tampa, Seattle, Philly. So some real teams there, especially Jacksonville, Seattle, Philly. I think we all agree Tampa's average at best. Brock Purdy, eleven touchdowns, one interception. Completion percentage at seventy or above in all four games. I mean, that is that is impressive. That is great numbers. Yeah. Um 
When you can do that with Ayuk and Debo, McCaffrey, I mean, you look at yesterday, San Francisco, 28 carries for a buck 46. That's 5.2 a carry on the ground. Yeah. They held Philly, who's built off that running game, to just 2.6 a carry. Jalen Hurts had seven carries for 20 yards, and DeAndre Swift, six for 13. I think we're starting to see some of the love for DeAndre Swift wear off and some of those inefficiency issues come back, which is mm-hmm. part of why Detroit moved on from. So they really had they really had Philadelphia kind of backs against the wall for most of this game from the first quarter on. So San Francisco, when you look at it, absolutely went healthy, can beat Philadelphia. I think when healthy, it's not even close between them and Detroit. I Detroit's a good football team, but I don't think Detroit – is getting out of the second round because I don't think Detroit can hang with Philly or San Francisco. Um, so, that, I mean, that leaves at the two top of the NFC, or I guess the top of the NFC would probably be Philly, San Francisco, and Dallas. Agree. But now San Francisco has dominated both Philly and Dallas. I do not feel at full strength, like pretty confidently, that, that, they're, that they're the team to be coming out of the NFC. Yeah, the only team that I really like could see still being like a 1B to the Niners is the Lions, but they ha- they haven't played the Niners, so we don't really know from that side of things. But it's just the Cowboys got railed by the Niners, and then the Eagles just got you know railed as well. They got blown out by the 49ers as well at home. And the only thing that was probably exciting or was noteworthy to remember from that game was when uh, – one of the coaches for the Philadelphia Eagles. Oh got yeah, the, um, the security guard, Dom. Yeah, yeah, him and Green was awesome. Got into it, and <laughs> I'm not a Philly guy, but I thought that was fun. Yeah, I thought that was something. I wish nothing but the worst on Philly sports teams, uh-huh. just success wise. Yeah, oh um, yeah. But that I was, was about that was kind of funny. You know, say if I if I was him, I I was hoping he wasn't thinking about trying to get into it with you know the 49ers linebacker Greenlaw because I don't know if that would have ended well too well with him. Shannon was not happy about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, they were the both way. getting into a pointing, you know, like uh gesture of things, yeah. But I don't think he would have escalated anything more than that. Hopefully not. But yeah, that was probably the only thing you take away from the Eagles as a as a positive thing, you know. There is uh, something you'll never forget at the game, your security guard getting thrown out. Yeah, so NFC is going to be very interesting. NFL in general is yes. going to be very interesting because mm-hmm. there's there's some top teams, but it feels yep. as wide open as ever, which, not to keep circling back, though, like makes me even more sad that Kirk got hurt because yeah. not saying that a Kirk Cousins-led team is going to go on a playoff run, but no, right but before I, he gets hurt, he puts up almost 400 passing yards on that San Francisco yep. defense, and they beat San Francisco. Yep. And then the and Bears like, game Monday night, if the Vikings were to have you know Kirk Cousins – I, f- Sorry, I feel very confident. Yeah. All you need is a touchdown or two to be us because, yeah. you know, we can't put talk touchdowns about, on the board. Talk about the Josh Dobbs story coming to an end quickly. Yeah. I'm on the, the Jaron Hall train. Mm-hmm. I know he's not good either. Yep. He's a fifth-round pick. Yeah, and like, if you would have beat the, the Niners, you know, when you had Kirk, and then if you were to have had Kirk uh, this past Monday against the Bears win that game, you're, what, eight eight and four? It's seven and five of that. Yeah, but even yeah. that, mm-hmm. I, I feel pretty confidently that if they have Kirk, they beat Denver. Yeah. And then you're eight and four, and then you're – you're a game back of the two seed mm-hmm. with the tiebreaker over San Francisco, and you're going to play Detroit twice. So you could have a chance to take them. Do you think about that early season loss too against the Chargers? You know that game you should have um, too, possibly. I think I again. probably would more if they were still healthy and had Kurt. Mm-hmm. If like now at this point, I'm just like I'm on the ride. Yeah. Like even if they get in, they could maybe upset like a Detroit or round one. They're not. They wouldn't go to San Francisco with Dobbs and win that game, mm-hmm. depending on the seed. But like. The, all expectations are out the window. This is a wild card weekend playoff. For sure, that's yeah. that's, that's why I'd not as. I think yep. it would be different if the Vikings were hot and were healthy. And it's like, man, if they could have beat. So that's, that's yeah, because you would yeah. be tied right now with the yep. Lions at nine and three. Yep. Yep. We got just a couple minutes left. I want to do this actually, um, because we just talked about it with Purdy a second ago. The MVP conversation in college football, or not college football, in the NFL is really interesting because there's mm-hmm. not like one clear runaway favorite. No, I think there's a difference in what it should be and what. It actually will be. If you gave me to name three MVP candidates right now, what I, I would give you my three, and I'd be interested in what yours are, I would give you Dak Prescott, C.J. Stroud, and Tyreek Hill. I think it will be Mahomes, Hurts, and Lamar. Maybe Dak is thrown in there. I think that would be the four that gets – but if you ask me my three MVP candidates right now on December 4th, it's Dak, Stroud, and Tyreek Hill. And I honestly think Tyreek Hill has as good of a chance as ever as a non-quarterback to win the award. Your thoughts on the MVP race? No, I really like that because that's names no one would have picked. No one would have – I mean, <laughs> I don't maybe think anybody Tyreke, would be but, talking yeah. about these three being MVP candidates right now at this point in the season. Dak's but been so good. I agree with you on Tyreek Hill. 
I think this might be the year, and hopefully the NFL gets away from giving this MVP award to, you know, just a quarterback. You First know. time since AP yeah, in 2012. Yeah. And which has always been since AP is it's been, you know, a quarterback award. So hopefully the NFL gets away from that and Tyreek Hill gets, you know, some praise, some consideration and gets the MVP because he has just had one it's a heck of a year from a wide receiver, you know, standpoint because I did not think he'd be having this one, you know, heck of a year, especially this Miami offense has been great. Tua's been great, but I didn't think Tua would be delivering in the football the way he's been delivering in the football. And Tyreek Hill is averaging like almost over like 120 yards per game, and you know a touchdown, which is insane. But I, I think the other two besides just Tyreek Hill, and I, I was really shocked when you said C.J. Stroud, but that that's definitely yeah. something you got to consider the way he's been playing, the way the Texans have been playing seven to five right now. And he's just been so superb. I and just like shocked, you yeah. know, being from the Houston area. They are my second team, even though I am a Bears fan. Texans are my close, like one B, number two that's team. Fine. That I, I think that's for. fine. Like, the Texans have <laughs> been so bad. Like, you can root for them. Yeah, it's, Trout, it's just been impressive how they were only yeah. like projected to win like four games. And they right were, now, yeah, they're only a game back team. of Jacksonville in the AFC South from winning the, the the division, possibly, depending on how these last five games of the season go. And without Jacksonville does tonight against Cincinnati, which they should probably win, and then we'll see what they do the last five games of the season. But they're still they're still in the running for AFC South, you know, division. If you know Jacksonville falls off and they find a way to win it, but it has just been so impressive what D'Amico Ryan's has been able to do with that team. And I agree with you. I think Stroud's got to be considered. I wouldn't yeah. say he's like the top three, but like he's a close yeah. like. 3B, like, just on the outside. I think that's more in the category of, like, the more valuable part rather than yeah. the best player part, which more often it goes to the best player. But, uh-huh. like, you put 20 I, quarterbacks in Houston and they're not doing what the, they've done this year with Stroud. Yeah, I'm only going to put in one quarterback. I'm going to put Dak Prescott. Okay. I think he has really showed that he is— I'm uh, interested to hear the third, because Dak and Tyreek— Yes, I'm Dak and Tyreek, and I, I think I'm going to slide in Christian McCaffrey. Okay, I yeah, that's, I, yeah, I get it. Yeah, I, I think go away from throwing in two quarterbacks, and really, it's it's always hard not to throw in Lamar and you know like I Patrick think, Mahomes because they, they've had success and both yeah. their, their teams have been playing really well. But I I just think really those two are on the outside looking in. If the Ravens get the number one seed in the AFC, I think Lamar's got a real shot at it. Yeah, so we'll see. It'll be yeah, fun. Yeah, we'll talk sure. about this a little bit more to wrap things up. Make sure to come back with us for our last show here on the Round yes. of Waves. Me, Justin, mm-hmm. and Luca back next week on Monday morning. I guess at the afternoon at that. Monday yeah. at 12 from you 12 to 1. We will wrap things up, get things going. Mizzou Bowl coverage will make our official mm-hmm. bowl game predictions for the Cotton Bowl against Dallas. Um, be I'll be something. about 10 minutes late because I've got a final that runs till noon. But outside of that, we'll have some fun for the last yeah, show. We will. But thanks for sitting in with Justin and I here for this show today. Enjoy your week, everyone. I'm Ben Schmidt, Justin Crouch with me once again. Have a good one here on KCU 88.1 FM.